Welcome to the ID Talk podcast. My name is Peter Counter, and I am the editor in chief of Fine Biometrics, where we are throwing the spotlight on the most exciting and controversial biometric modality facial recognition. That's why on this latest episode of ID Talk, I am pleased to present Find Biometrics President Peter O'Neill's recent interview with Kevin Allen Tussey, CEO of Facetech. The interview begins on the topic of Facetech's ongoing five-tier spoof bounty, which was raised to a full potential payout of $100,000 earlier this year. The discussion goes on to perhaps the most pressing issue in face biometrics, the distinction between authentication and surveillance technology. It concludes with a review of Facetech's 2020, touching on how COVID-19 has affected the market, a progress report on the company's technology, and a preview of what's to come. It's a fascinating conversation between two biometrics and identity industry thought leaders. So without further ado, it is my pleasure to present Fine Biometrics President Peter O'Neill in conversation with Facetech CEO Kevin Allen Tussey right here on the ID Talk podcast. Hello, my name is Peter O'Neill, and I am the president of Fine Biometrics and Mobile ID World, and I'm very pleased to be speaking with one of our industry's leading facial recognition companies. I'm joined today on this episode of ID Talk podcast uh, by Kevin Alantusi, who is the CEO of Facetech. Welcome, Kevin. Always a pleasure to discuss our industry with you. Thank you, Peter. Appreciate it. It's always good to be here. Okay, so let's jump right in. This summer, Facetech, the first and currently only biometric security company to launch a spoof bounty, has enhanced its programming, upping the ante to a total of $100,000, quite remarkable, and adding two more advanced levels of presentation attack coverage. What are the benefits of spoof bounty in contrast to other forms of liveness detection assurance like, for example, sanction testing? Well, Peter, the, the most important thing for, for liveness detection and, and for cybersecurity, biometric cybersecurity in general, is to, is to ensure that the technology will work in the real world. So well, well sanction testing and, and laboratory testing is very important. It's a great, it's a great first step. Really, you don't know uh, what you don't know. You don't, you're not sure exactly uh, how things are going to perform on tens of thousands of different types of devices uh, with different uh, camera resolutions, different types of sensors, different lenses, um, all different kinds of combinations of, of uh, OSs, browsers, all these different combinations that can can uh, create issues in, in real world security situations. So for Facetech, once we had passed the highest levels uh, of available uh, pad testing, we wanted to take our technology and put it out into the real world and see what uh, real hackers, real uh, competitors, people from uh, intelligence agencies and those types of folks uh, could do when, when we actually gave them access to our technology to try to spoof it, to try to attack it. Uh, so first we, we rolled out with the level one through three uh, presentation attack detection um, spoof bounty program and, and that was quite successful for us. And then we added levels four and five, which are template tampering and video injection attacks. And these are, are more on the cybersecurity side of, uh, of liveness detection, but they ensure that uh, the device is not compromised in, in some way, that the ca- camera's not being bypassed. Uh, the goal of the liveness detection uh, is really to determine that we have a, a live individual human who is 
in front of the camera at the time that the biometric data is captured. And so we want that first generation capture to be ensured. And by doing the liveness checks and uh, on level one through three uh, presentation attack artifacts and doing the level four and five checks to make sure that the camera feed is secure, we have the uh, absolute best uh, way to determine that the individual is live and in front of the camera at the time that biometric data is captured. Well, you've really raised the bar with the level four and five now, including decrypting and tampering with the biometric data, decryption, camera bypasses, and video injection. These are really cutting edge attack vectors as we see it. And why is it so important to include these types of, of more advanced types of attacks? Uh, you're absolutely right. These are advanced attacks, but they're also the most scalable type of attacks. So where, whereas a hacker, uh, you know, spoofer might might try to go get some masks or some kind of artifacts, uh, it's it's much easier for them and, and a lot cheaper for them just to try to inject some digital video or or create a deep fake puppet and and inject that feed into the authentication application rather than have the biometric data be coming from a live human, it's actually coming from a recorded video with a virtual camera or, or, or some type of piece of software. So this is inc incredibly important for us to not just to look at uh, presentation attacks, you know, artifacts, masks, videos, uh, photos, but to look at these other attack vectors that could give access to the video feed and would allow a bad actor to to defeat the entire liveness application or technology by injecting this uh, injecting this video and, and unfortunately there are server side solutions that are being sold in the market today that that really don't have any ability to detect whether or not the camera feed has been compromised so if you're just taking a selfie on a device and you're sending it out to a server side let's say passive liveness detection solution you have no idea whether or not that that image has been uh, injected into the application or if it was actually captured by the uh, by the application correctly uh, in a secure way from the live human. So we have to have a device SDK on the device side, whether that's uh, a PC you know, uh, or a laptop or a smart device to ensure that we can have confidence that the camera feed is is actually uh, indeed secure and hasn't been tampered with. Hey, Kevin, how many people have tried to spoof your FaceTech 3D face authentication to date? And, and what, what have you learned from the Bounty program after, I think you've been at it now for a full year of, of being a public target out there uh, with a with, with $100,000 bounty. How, how is it going? Well, it's going great. We've learned a lot um, over the last year. I think we've, I think we've uh, had now north of 40,000 different spoof attacks, all different types coming in from all over the world. Uh, many from places like Russia and China, uh, many from executives at competitors, uh, ven competitive vendors uh, of ours that you know have a lot of experience in this area, um, as well as, as people who are in the uh, AI and virtual reality spheres as well. So we've learned a lot. We've actually had two people who've been able to spoof our technology in the last year, two different individuals. We paid them their bounties and we worked on uh, uh, shoring up the uh, vulnerabilities that we had. Uh, we were able to do that. And that was about uh, the last one was about six months ago now, I think. And uh, we've been successful at defending the the spoof bounty program ever since we've uh, raised it up to $100,000. And we continue to do that to continue to attract attention to the to the platform. And it's what really allows us to have confidence in our technology, knowing that that we're drawing the fire, we're really uh, bringing 
all of the attacks to us and our, our customers and our partners don't have to be the guinea pigs, so to speak, for spoof attacks. We're, we're going to be on the cutting edge of that. We're going to reward people who come to us and have some kind of, of novel way to beat our liveness detection. It doesn't happen very often, but we, if it does, we always learn from it. We rebuild our technology uh, to uh, mitigate those, those threats and we release a much stronger you know, product and service after we've learned uh, what vulnerabilities might be out there. And we're not, we're unaware of any, any better way to learn about real world security than just to put the technology out 24 seven, 365 and let anyone attack it, you know, from anywhere in the world. And uh, this is what gives us confidence. And, and it's one of the reasons why uh, our partners and our customers have so much confidence in our technology. And it certainly is groundbreaking in our industry. So congratulations on that. Can you please tell us, you know, just generally some of the advantages and disadvantages of, of 3D face matching versus 2D? Well, if we if we look back a couple of years now, um, Apple made a, a very wise decision to use 3D face authentication in their in their Face ID product for their iPhones. And and prior to that, FaceTech really uh, had three different points of contention that, that we had to overcome to, to get a customer to, be, to use our technology. First, it was uh, which biometric should we use? So fingerprint was obviously the most widely used of, of the biometrics at, at the time prior to Face ID. So we had to overcome why you should use Face as the biometric instead of fingerprint. Uh, and then, and then uh, Apple came out with Face ID, and, and of course, then it was, uh, well, Face is, is probably the de facto new standard of, of biometric authentication, so we should use Face. And then it was whether or not someone should use 3D or 2D face matching. And Face ID uh, uses a 3D infrared camera, and the reasons why it uses that are really twofold. One, to uh, have more accuracy for matching, and to have the accuracy work in you know low lighting conditions, and of course, also to uh, minimize bias. Um, infrared doesn't use visible light, so it doesn't. Uh, it's not effective the same way as uh, normal cameras are. So uh, Apple is very smart to use 3D uh, face uh, matching in their in their technology, and and that's why their phones are are so successful with unlocking very quickly and in the dark and with all different phenotypes you know, of human skin tones. And so face tech is exactly the same as far as using 3D versus 2D to get the same benefits that Face ID has, except for FaceTech uses a 100% software solution. Rather than using an infrared camera that requires special hardware, FaceTech uses uh, a measurement of perspective distortion uh, of how a face bends as the camera gets uh, slightly closer to the face to essentially reverse engineer a 3D face map from those video frames. And when we do that, we, we uh, end up with some real significant benefits over 2D matching. Uh, because we have that perspective distortion information, we know how the face bends, we can extrapolate out what a face is going to look like from selfie distance to, for example, government ID distance, uh, capture distance. And this is really important when you're doing face verification to either an ID document or to a government database. So our matching levels for 3D to 2D are extremely high. Um, our, our new face portrait API is one in 950,000 false accept rate at less than 1% false reject rate. These are, are extremely high numbers uh, when compared to normal 2D to 2D matching. And we have less bias. Uh, we really don't have any observable bias when we're doing 3D to 3D uh, face map matching because we're not using the, the little micro details on the face like wrinkles and moles and these types of you know scars or things like that to 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 give us our 
our matching data, um, like 2D is using um, heavily, heavily relying on those things, our 3D matching is, is relying on the shape of the face. And, and so as long as we have enough light being emitted from the screen that it's reflecting off of the, you know, the key points on, on the individual's facial structure, we can, re, uh, we can reverse engineer the perspective distortion into a 3D face map. And then we have a, high, a lot higher performance uh, in, in matching accuracy, as well as a lot less uh, bias than we're going to have in, with normal 2D to 2D matching. Catfishing is a serious danger to the online dating community. When arranging to meet a new person, nothing is more important than trust. And unless a dating app can ensure that its platform is free of abusers and fraudsters, it's not worth the risk. That's why the Meet Group's Meet.com uses Facetech 3D face authentication for its profile verification badge. With AI-enhanced biometrics supported by industry-lauded liveness detection, Facetech is helping the Meet Group provide the safest dating platforms ever offered. Backed by the world's only spoof bounty with rewards up to $100,000, Facetech 3D face authentication is the biometric security you can reliably trust to prove and verify identity where and when it matters most. Learn more about how Facetech is putting an end to fraud at Facetech.com. And now, back to the podcast. Okay, and I'd like to, to shift gears a little bit and talk about some of the major forces affecting the biometric industry right now. And one is the conflation between facial recognition for surveillance and face-based authentication. This is particularly difficult timing for the public, I think, as increased privacy awareness is intersecting with lack of fundamentals around really how biometrics work, and it's throwing roadblocks up against authentication. From your perspective, what is at the core of this misunderstanding, and how do you define identity today? Yeah, that's a, a real challenge for, for our industry. Um, you know the, the the term facial recognition is is so ubiquitous uh, that it's really all-encompassing for anything that has to do with images of individuals and then matching them to some other individual uh, images of of individuals' faces. And you know, from our perspective, we really are are looking at uh, trying to separate the the two or the terminology so that we would use facial recognition for surveillance, which which is really identifying someone potentially when they don't know that they're being identified. So you're just searching uh, for biometric data in a large data set and trying to trying to get high match percentages against someone in a, you know, someone in a data set and then and then believing that uh, to some level of confidence that this is the individual authentication or verification is really the individual purporting to be uh, someone and then verifying whether or not uh, they are indeed that person to a high level of confidence based on, on some trusted piece of biometric data. So in the idea, identity proofing industry, companies that are, are taking some selfie capture of biometric data of the face and then comparing it to 2D photo that's on a, a driver's license or a passport, this is uh, you're being used as the anchor for this user provided identity document. I think what we're going to see in the future is going to be uh, biometric data that's captured on a device and then passed potentially through an intermediary that does a you know a liveness check and then and then see that biometric data re-encrypted and then passed directly to a government identity issuer via an API and then the government issuer will do the matching. Uh, they will look up 
for example, my social security number or my driver's license number, and they will find the uh, 2D photos that have been stored uh, in that record for my legal identity, and then they'll match the new live misproven 3D face map to those 2D photos. And if they match very highly, they'll return the uh, the match decision of a, of yes back to the back to the bank or back to the the private company that's trying to uh, establish uh, an identity verification for me. And in in that way, we're, we wouldn't really be trusting any user provided ID document or, or biometric data. We're just collecting it, knowing that we have a strong liveness signal from that that first person collection and then matching against trusted data on the government side so we th we like that solution we think that it's it's the best for privacy uh, that architecture uh, the in that in that way the government doesn't ever have to share any biometric data outside with any private organizations it's just biometric data coming into the government and uh, they also are able to upgrade their databases from you know with our technology from 2d photos to 3d face maps and we're seeing a lot of interest in that from governments around the world, and we have some commitments from um, some some governments uh, to actually roll out technology uh, with that architecture for their citizens and, and to provide remote identity verification services to uh, public and private organizations uh, and entities uh, with that model. Well, thanks, Kevin. We see education is critical in this whole area as well. Conversations like this where, you know, it's clearly explained and, and, and what the differences are. And, and on the positive side, uh, you know, digital transformation is occurring everywhere very rapidly. And general cybersecurity awareness seems to be elevating oh, major governments, corporate across the board interest in biometric authentication. What new sectors do you see opening up in the uh, the good news of liveness enhanced biometric security? Well, um, hopefully, hopefully the explanations uh, are, are clear. I'm trying my best uh, to make them digestible. Uh, some of these are are are, are challenging topics uh, to to break down succinctly and to make understandable. But uh, I do think that when you when you really can grasp the fact that uh, liveness detection is the true uh, replacement for the individual who has been um, specifically tasked with saying someone is, is, is there present in person, like a, like a bank teller or a notary or someone in a you know, who's overseeing a, a ballot box or something like that. These are these are uh, really what liveness detection uh, replaces. So in a remote scenario, when um, I want to prove my identity uh, from my home and there's no TSA agent there, there's no individual who's looking over uh, my shoulder, making sure that I'm not presenting some artifact to the to the camera or I'm not injecting some video into a into a software program. That's really what the liveness detection is, is doing. It's giving us some some high assurance that that the capture of the biometric data is being done in a in a way that is uh, legitimate and it, it's it's not fraudulent. So that opens up all kinds of new uh, remote remote credentialing, remote verification use cases that really we haven't had in the past. So things like voting, things like applying for loans, applying for uh, you know, ben government benefits, these types of things are, are, are going to be able to be done remotely and without uh, without the fraud that you would see if you were to just allow people to apply for these things or to participate in these types of scenarios without having um, some level of confidence that it is an individual, a live human that is doing it, and it's it's the same human who's going to be coming back to the account over and over again. So I think COVID has shown that there's a huge need for digital transformation. Everyone uh, now has to access all of their 
confidential information uh, that maybe they were only able to get at the office or you know, at, uh, at the government agency. Now they have to be able to do it from home. We need to do so many of, of, of these tasks remotely now. And we do need to really elevate this conversation from just uh, uh, you know, facial recognition or facial verification to truly to biometric cybersecurity and, and understand you know, what level of confidence and security we need to have in our uh, remote access systems so that we can actually consider them you know, secure in a, in a way that somehow rivals what we were doing uh, you know, in person uh, in, in, in past years. Well, you know, I'm glad you brought up the pandemic and COVID and, and how it's affecting. I, I, I know that we, we chatted, I think it was about a year ago. It might have been at one of the Money 2020 shows and, you know, talking about, you know, some of the some of the, the rapidly growing trends we were seeing, whether it be healthcare and, and or, or just remote working. And all of a sudden, you know, everybody is faced with this increasing demand to try and come up with solutions because COVID has just forced this on us. So, uh, you know, I think Facetech fits very well into that spectrum. Strong digital identity is a powerful tool, enabling safe, secure, and convenient healthcare, banking, pension collection, remote work, and government services. But its full potential can only be achieved with advanced, third-party certified liveness detection. With Facetech and integration partner Gulf Data International, the United Arab Emirates are leading the way to groundbreaking regional digital identity programs. With strong digital identity verification, exceptional liveness detection, and biometric deduplication capabilities, Facetech 3D face authentication ensures that exceptionally secure digital identity in the UAE will be fraud-free and always easy to use. Backed by the world's only spoof bounty, with rewards up to $100,000, Facetech 3D face authentication is the biometric security you can reliably trust to prove and verify identity where and when it matters most. Learn more about how Facetech is putting an end to fraud at Facetech.com. And now, back to the podcast. Let me ask you from a technology standpoint, I know that you are constantly evolving. I'm always very impressed with your, your constantly moving ahead. What's the current state of your technology beyond the liveness part? Yeah, we, we definitely um, spend a lot of our time on R&D, and, and we're really an R&D company. We, we don't have uh, really a huge sales force. Uh, we work through channel partners, and they distribute our technology on you know, six continents all over the world now. Um, got about 50 different partners that are, are working in that capacity with us. So we do like to focus on R&D, and, and we are uh, consistently working on on upgrading our, our technology. So fundamentally, um, you know, we believe that trust in a remote, uh, any remote authentication or verification is coming from, the, you know, initially stems from the liveness detection. But things like the level four and five attack vectors that we added to our spoof bounty program, those are some of the additional pieces of the cybersecurity puzzle that need to be added to to any of these systems and, and the architectures to make sure that that the entire system can be trusted. Uh, but we're really working on a lot of things uh, behind the scenes for 
things like uh, optical character recognition uh, for uh, driver's licenses and passports, uh, opening the uh, the NFC chips that are are present in, in many of the passports to to get access to the photos there and then being able to authenticate the 3D user and match them against the 2D image that's in their passport. We're also working a tremendous amount on what we call one to N for deduplication. Don't want to get too deep into this uh, right now, but really we see that there are two layers of, of identity, really the uh, what we call the biometric layer of identity, which is pretty much what we're born with. Uh, it's, it comes from our DNA and, and is influenced by our environment. And then we have the legal identity layer, and that's what the government uh, has agreed to uh, call us and give us ID numbers, and those are, that's our legal name. So one to N uh, biometric search for deduplication is, 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 a, is a way to provide uh, an assurance that we don't have multiple individuals in a database uh, with the same live person eventually in a database with multiple accounts under different names. So if we don't have uh, access to the source data or we can't send biometric data to a government to have uh, it, it checked against the legal identity, then the best thing, the best uh, other option is to, is to do what we call this one-to-end uh, search for deduplication to find out if that 3D face map of that individual has been uh, ever been used under uh, a different name or to get a different account. So this is uh, this is very difficult. Uh, it requires extremely high accuracy, and that is something that fortunately FaceTech has has been able to um, derive from its 3D face maps much better than any of the 2D to 2D uh, matching providers that are out there. And so we have an advantage in the, in this space because of our accuracy and. Uh, it's something that we've been working on, and we provide it to quite a few customers now, including um, some social networks that are looking to prevent multiple accounts. Um, we don't want to have bots to be able to get accounts, and that's great because we can stop that with our liveness detection. But we also don't want an individual to be able to go in and get 50 different accounts uh, and then pretend like they're all in you know separate accounts. So for this uh, you know, social media company, they, they actually utilize our one-to-end um, search to ensure that their uh, account holders are have one account and one account only. And it's a very powerful new way to ensure that we have one user and one account without having to, you know, in, invoke the, uh, the government uh, legal identity into the process. Boy, I see that as a critical component, especially when I think of health insurance and things like that, where people do scam the system you know, with multiple different uh, personalities. So that that's a critical area. And can we look at the future a bit right now? And you and I have, again, discussed this in the past, but I'm always very interested to see, you know, where you think the biometric industry is evolving in the next few years. You know, three to five years down the road, what are we going to be looking at? Well, my perspective is we're going to be looking at a lot less knowledge-based authentication and a lot more biometric verification. I think we're going to start to see that all the companies uh, that, that have a long-term uh, roadmap are going to be introducing remote onboarding systems, and they're going to be then extrapolating those out into, into remote authentication systems that use biometrics. And we're going to be using our digital identities with a much enhanced ability to, to prove who, who we are from any device to essentially any agency, uh, government agency or private company in a way that also protects our privacy and enables us to have all the, you know, the benefits and, and, and be granted credentials and, and, and have all the privileges that come along with being us, but doing that in, in, a remote, in a remote way. I think it'll just become uh, 
completely ubiquitous. We'll, we'll be uh, biometrics will be entwined with everything that we do and how we prove who we are uh, on pretty much every level. And it's happening way faster now than it did pre-pandemic. That's for sure. Yeah. And how can people get in touch with you to learn more about Facetech, Liveness, and the Spoof Bounty? Uh, it's really easy. Facetech.com. Um, no H. F-A-C-E-T-E-C.com. Um, we also uh, operate a website that we like to use uh, to educate uh, people in in the industry, um, potential customers. Uh, additional uh, you know vendors in the space uh, people who are looking to get into, into this industry partners and as well as the media uh, at liveness.com well Kevin it's always a pleasure speaking with you I'm always so impressed with the the depth of knowledge that you have about this this particularly very interesting and high growth area in our industry thank you very much for carving out some time with us today thank you Peter it's my pleasure great to talk with you and look forward to doing it again soon. And so concludes the ID Talk interview with Kevin Allen Tussey, CEO of Facetech. To learn more about the topics and technology discussed in this episode, visit Facetech.com. And to learn more about Facetech's $100,000 spoof bounty, check out SpoofBounty.com. Thank you to Kevin for joining us today on ID Talk, and thank you to Peter O'Neill for conducting the interview. Our podcast theme music is by Logamrad. I have been your host, Peter Counter. Thank you for listening to the ID Talk podcast. <laughs>